Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The word behold here is interesting because it's actually a plural. It's in the plural. And so what John is basically saying is it's not just behold how good, it, you know, how, what manner of love the Father. He's saying behold, um, in a sense, he's appealing to all Christians to come and to take a look at the wonder of this fact that God, that he loves us. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. In our study today, John writes about the love that God has for his children. The greatness of this love is shown in that by it, we are called children of God. As God looked down on lost humanity, he might have merely had a charitable compassion, a pity on our plight, both in this life and in eternity. With a mere pity, he might have set forth a plan of salvation where man could be saved from hell. But God went far beyond that to call us children of God. However, to be called children of God, we must be born again through Jesus Christ. Now let's open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 3 and follow along with Pastor Rob. Let's open our Bibles to 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 3 this morning. I... We will probably get through just the first nine verses. This is such a great letter that John had, had, had written to the churches in Asia Minor, writing to them to encourage them and how much God loves them, and writing them to warn them of certainly a false doctrine, and, and also encouraging them to love each other. For this is the greatest commandment, right? That we love each other. If we can love each other, we will fulfill the law of God. Loving each other, that's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second one is even like it, to love each other. But let's read through verses 1 through 9 in chapter 3. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him, speaking of Jesus. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, speaking of Jesus Christ, that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone, notice, who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure." And whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. 
Whoever, therefore, abides in him does not sin, and whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Father, we just thank you for this passage of Scripture. Pray that, God, you'd write it upon our hearts, Lord, that we would come away encouraged and not condemned, but, Father, built up in the faith. And, Lord, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I labeled this morning's message the hallmark of the child of God, and there are certain hallmarks in our life that ought to be evident as children of God. And, and within the chapters that or the verses that we read this morning, we can see that there's at least three hallmarks that ought to be evident in our life. The first one is being known by God, being known by God, and yet unknown to the world. The idea of God knows you, and to me that's all that matters, is that God knows me, that he knows you. That should be enough for me. I don't really care about whether the world knows me, but I really care if he knows me, because that's all that matters. He's the only one I'm going to stand ultimately before. And the second hallmark is not continuing in a lifestyle of sin, especially habitual sin. We've we got to stay away from that. We've we got to examine ourselves. That's a hallmark. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, an identifier of a child of God is that they're not continuing in a lifestyle of habitual sin. Are we going to sin? Absolutely. And we know that we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the, the mediator between us and God. We know that we can confess our sin. When we do, we ought to confess it, and we ought to be restored in our fellowship with him. And he is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness as a result of that confession, right? That is a hallmark of the child of God. And also to love one another. Greater love has no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. We know Jesus was the greatest example, but we also ought to do that as well. And that's something where we need to grow in. I need to grow in because sometimes that can be so self-focused and self-centered in my own walk and with the busyness of life that I forget that my brothers and sisters, they're hurting. they got other issues too. It's good for us to communicate. And thank God with cell phones, it's one of the few blessings is that we can text each other and, and give prayer requests and, and chat back and forth and we can keep each other abreast on what's going on in our lives that we could be praying. To me, that's what those things ought to be used for and what a great tool they can be. So those three things at the very least, being known by God and yet unknown to the world, not continuing in, in sin in a, in, a, in a habitual sense and, and loving one another, loving one another. Let's look at verse 1 here. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. The word behold here is interesting, because it's actually a plural. It's in the plural. And so what John is basically saying is, it's not just behold how good, it, you know, how, what manner of love the Father. He's saying behold um, in a sense, he's appealing to all Christians to come and to take a look at the wonder of this fact that God, that he loves us. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us 
It's, 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 it's all universal to the church. Behold, everyone. Behold ye. That's really what it means. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. And we know that God's love is benevolent. It's self-sacrificing. He demonstrated that on the cross, didn't he? This love that we're talking about in this verse is agape. You've heard that word, agape. And in the Greek language, we've mentioned this before, but there are four different types of Greek words for love. In, our, in English, we say love. I love my car. I really do. I, I love my car. Can I tell you about it? No, I won't. Love my car. I love my wife. I love my friends. And I love God. Now, I use the same word for English. In English, I use the same word love, but you know in context of what I'm telling you that my love is different for each of those four things. And I mention those specifically because I can love uh, my family. I can love my wife. I can love God. My love for God ought to be higher than anything else. But I can also have a phileo love, a brotherly love toward friends and family, or friends especially, and brothers and sisters in Christ. I can also have a storge, that's another Greek word that was translated for love, and that's just a family love. And then there's another love, which Hollywood loves, that our culture really loves, that in fact it, it, it overwhelms everything else, it seems, in our culture, and that's eros. That's a physical, sexual love. That's the stuff you see in Hollywood. That's the things you see on the billboards. That's the thing that's inundating the music industry and the movie industry. That's all they know of. Aren't you sick of it? I don't know about you, but it's like... You know, after a while, you know, you're just like, man, it's just the same drum that just keeps beating. And yet the love that God really has, the self-sacrificing love, that's a love that the world can't even comprehend. What? Sacrifice, do something for someone else, and, and sacrifice what I want to do for somebody else? Pfft. Looking out for number one, forget that. And that's the attitude of our culture. But when the world sees real agape love, and they saw it hanging on the cross, he was the embodiment of agape as he hung there, Jesus, on the cross, suspended between earth and heaven, the intermediary between God and man. The only bridge between us and a holy God was his son, who was equally God. And so there's these four different types of Greek love. And this agape is the one that we are speaking of here. But what a privilege and an honor. I love that first verse. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. You know, think about the privilege of being a child of God. I am so thrilled to be a child of God. I used to be a child of the devil. I used to be a child of the world. I used to be a child of disobedience. (laughs) But now, and you, hopefully all of us in this room, are children of God. And if you're not a child of God this morning, I want to invite you to be a part of the family because you need to be a part of the family of God. You need it. It's not even a question of whether you want it. You may not even want it. If you're here and you're a guest here today and you're like, I really don't care. Well, let me tell you, there's coming a day where it's going to be really important. Get to know him now. Get to know him now. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Paul said this to them. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Notice, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Is that the grace of being a child of God? Isn't that the wonderful good news of being a child of God? To know that that is the case for us? That he chose us. He chose us. And if you're wondering today, I don't know if I'm one of his. Well, guess what? Receive Christ and you'll discover that he chose you. It really is that simple. There are people who get all uptight about what, you know, whether they were supposed to be saved or not. Or I'm just one of those people that God doesn't love. No, God loves everyone. For God so loved the world, Right? That whosoever, that's pretty inclusive of everyone, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, right? You must come to him. He has chosen you. Receive him. He has the greatest love for you. And that's what, who he is. God is love. In First John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, John, speaking to this church in the same letter that we're writing or reading now, He writes to them, and he said in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For God is love. Is there any other God in the universe? All of them are lowercase g. He's the only one with the uppercase g-o-d. Everyone else is lower. And they are nothing more than demonic beings seeking your attention, seeking your affection. And none of them love you like God loves you. No one has ever claimed to die for the sin of man except for Jesus. He loves you. And in that same chapter, in 1 John chapter 4, and verse 16, he says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Notice the unity. You need to abide in him, and he abides in you. It's a wonderful unity, and it goes both ways. God wants to abide with you, but do you want to abide in him? He's not going to force you. You know, that picture of the stalk and the branches coming off the stalk. (laughs) You know, God's not going to force you to, to abide and to stay on there. If you want to be separated, just call up the landscaper. He'll come and he'll prune you off. But that's not his heart. His heart is to have you abide in him. But what a great privilege it is to be a child of God. And notice in the last part of that verse, Therefore the world does not know us. It doesn't know us because it didn't know him. If it didn't know him, chances are they're not going to know us as well. If they're not going to acknowledge the Savior of the world, they're not going to acknowledge you either. Don't be surprised by that. Don't let it take you aback by understanding that or experiencing the resistance that you're going to have in this world as a child of God. It's going to happen. The world does not know us because it didn't know him. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 11, that he, Jesus, came to his own. He came to the world that he created. And not only that, he came to his own and they did not receive him. He came to the Jews. He was born in the Jewish line. He could have been born in other in another line. He could have been born in the Irish line or the Italian line. He could have been born in any line, but he chose the Jewish people. 
He came to his own, and they didn't receive him. In fact, they rejected him. They cried out for his blood on the cross. We will not have this man rule over us. We would rather have Caesar. Are you serious? This guy in Rome, this, this, this pagan idolatry was a pedophile, probably demon-possessed, desiring to be worshipped as God himself, and that's what the Caesars did, by the way. Many of them would receive worship as God. But don't be discouraged. The world does not know us because it didn't know him. Because you are a child of God, God, the world does not understand you. You are completely different. You are an enigma to the world. (laughs) They look at you and squint as if they are testing new eyes. Who are you? Isn't that amazing that there can be such great disdain for a person who loves God? who loves the truth, who loves morality. Because, believe me, God is moral. He created morals. He is moral. (laughs) He created all these things. But your heart, your motivations, your appetites, your worldview is diametrically opposed to that of the world. They don't understand you. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 4, it says... They think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. That's what the world does. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, it says, We are fools for Christ's sake, Paul says to the Corinthians. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. And he's, he's kind of bantering with them a little bit. He says, We are weak, but you are strong. And you are distinguished, but we are dishonored. And then in the 13th verse of that same chapter, he says, We have been made as the filth of the world the offscouring of all things until now. The world doesn't know you. They can't understand you. Don't be surprised when they look at you with crossed eyes and when they give you the business, when you're overlooked for that promotion. Don't be discouraged when you're persecuted. We don't like persecution, but it's coming. The Apostle Paul and Silas knew this very well, or the Apostle Paul especially, But there was a time, if you remember, in Acts chapter 17, it says, beginning in verse 16, it says, Now while Paul waited for them, and he's speaking of Silas and Timothy, at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. And therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily and with those who happened to be there And then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? And others said, He seems to be a proclaimer proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. They didn't even know who Paul, you know, that they even gave Paul the business. What is this babbler trying to say? The world is very comfortable in its sin. The world is motivated by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All of these things are very evident in our culture. But we have to remember who our true enemy is. People in the world aren't the enemy. The real enemy of our souls is Satan himself. He is the true enemy, and he uses the world to war against us. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Should we really care? what the world really thinks about you and me. I don't hold too much in my heart about the way people think of me. But again, we don't want to see them as enemies. They may see us as enemies. They may see us as a thorn in the side of our culture. Do you ever get that feeling that you just don't belong here? Well, guess what? You don't. 
But God has put us here to be in the world, but not to be of the world. But there's coming a time when he's going to call you out of the world. We know that that day is coming. But I love this, that the world does not know us because it did not know him, but we are known of God. We are known of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is what Paul said. He says, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. Well known by God, unknown by the world. And it has to be that way. Whenever there is a Christian or a, a ministry that's so exalted by the world, you better be careful. When the world is saying all these great things and wonderful things about you, chances are you may be, you may be leaving out the important details. Because the cross of Christ, Jesus Christ, is an offense. It's an offense. It's supposed to be. That's why it's so hard for us to share with people, because it is an offense. It offends people to, to know that, number one, that they're a sinner. Everyone likes to think that they're inherently good, but the Bible says that we're inherently bad. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. Isn't that what the Bible says? No one likes to hear that, but we are known of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 8, it says, By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, speaking of, of him and the disciples. And I love verse 9, it says, As unknown and yet well known. Known by the church, known by God, but unknown by the world. In verse 2, he goes on, he says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The very form of Jesus is very different now than it was when he was on the earth. The Bible says that while he was on the earth and he incarnate through the Virgin Mary, that he had flesh and blood and bone, just like you and I. He was born in human flesh. 100% God, yet 100% man, paying the price for us. But notice what happened after the resurrection. In Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 36, Jesus, after the resurrection, after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, he appears that very night with his disciples, and he says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and he said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? And notice verse 39, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. He had flesh and bones. I'm going to make up some new words this morning, like I did last week. <laughs> The Spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. Jesus in his transformation, in his resurrection, changed. No longer flesh and blood and body, but now just flesh and bones. The Bible says the, the life is in the blood, but now there is no blood. Who's a, who is the life agent in his life right now? It's the Spirit of God empowering him, energizing him. He is God in the flesh, and now he has a new body, a little bit different perhaps, but the scars are still there. Mary Magdalene, if you remember, when she saw him, and the Apostle John, even in, in John chapter 21, and the two who met Jesus on the road to Emmaus, they saw something different. Until Jesus revealed himself to them, they were kind of like scratching their heads. It seems like Jesus. There was just enough about him that made him 
a little different. His resurrection body being a little bit different. But we too, as it says here, that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. We looked at some of this last week, but let's look at it again, because this is encouraging. Encouraging to me. You're, you guys are ready for an upgrade. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.